Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine and sponsored by Steer. Broadcasting today from Agreco Studios. Agreco, powering the Permian. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. Welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today we have another wonderful show lined up for you. Today we will be joined by Carr Ingham, who is Petroleum Economist with the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. But first, I want to discuss our latest issue of Shell Magazine. Another great issue and another great cover. You will never guess who we were able to catch up with and discuss a little bit about the Permian Basin area. There's an area out there called Alpine High. And we were able to get an exclusive story from Steve Keenan with Apache Corporation, who was the main, main person behind discovering Alpine High uh, in the Permian Basin area and uh, New Mexico area. So if you're interested in, in that, this is a story that you don't want to miss. Uh, and if you're interested in reading the latest issue of Shell Magazine, please go to shellmag.com. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com to read all about Steve Keenan, the main person behind Alpine High. Switching gears a little bit on you guys, uh, I'm very excited and I hope that you will join me personally on February 11th in Austin, Texas, beautiful Austin, Texas. We will be heading down there to talk to all of our elected officials discussing very, very important topics pertaining to the future of the region of South Texas. Now, later on in the show, we're going to catch up with Dr. Tom Tunstall, who uh, was a presenter at uh, our conference discussing some of the most important things that are going on in South Texas. So I hope that you will stay tuned, but I encourage you, please come and join me and talk about all the very, very important things that uh, are important to the future of the region of South Texas. This is those 47 counties that really need input from the community, as well as the Texas Energy Advocate Coalition that they will be supporting all things oil and gas. So please visit txenergyadvocates.com and sign up for your free seat on our bus and come and have fun with us for that day. Once again, it's February the 11th at noon at our Texas Capitol. But if you want a free ride there and lots of fun, please sign up at txenergyadvocates.com advocates.com and sign up to get your free seat on the bus seats are going fast so i encourage you to register right now it's free why not spend a day with us advocating making sure your voice is heard and having a fun day with me so come on get on our website txenergyadvocates.com and i'll see you at the capitol on february 11th now before I bring on the editor of Shell Magazine, David Blackman. One last item I want to discuss with you, which is 
so much fun to me. I'm so excited and I cannot wait to hear from you is on February the 9th, Saturday at 2 p.m. You're going to be able to call in live, speak to me, and of course, speak to our expert, John Tatera, president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. I encourage you, if you have a question pertaining to anything of oil and gas, please call in live and pitch your question to John Tatera. I promise you, he will have an answer for you. So here's the number to call us starting February the 9th at 2 p.m. Area code 210-526-3656. Again, that number is 210-526-3656. Now it's time to bring on the editor of Shell Magazine, David Blackman. David, welcome to the show. Hey, it's another beautiful day in Texas. Couldn't agree with you more. We are getting some really, really nice days. Well, let's just jump right in because there's a lot going on in the world of politics uh, this week. Um, So we're going to switch gears a little bit and talk more about politics and oil and gas, but it does still pertain to oil and gas. So my first question is, is what's going on with Venezuela? The Trump administration on Monday placed sanctions on uh, the Maduro government and the country's national oil company. And that's pretty big when you think about we have, um, they have uh, oil companies here in the United States. Uh, But my question is the impact that these sanctions are going to have, not just, uh, you know, of course, on Venezuela, but what is also, is there going to be sanctions with the sanctions in place, some kind of of a fallout here in the United States in the oil industry? Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's it's not an outright embargo on imports coming from Venezuela, but it's going to function that way. It's basically uh, a prohibition on uh, American companies from engaging in contractual relationships with with the Venezuelan government or with PDVSA, the national oil company. And um, you know that will certainly have major impact in Venezuela, which derives so much of its income from oil exports to the United States. Uh, they'll have to spend, of course, depending on how long they last. This may not go on that long because Maduro is really in in a bad situation down there, and and this all could get resolved fairly quickly. But if it lingers on, Venezuela will have to, and Petavesa will have to figure out different destinations for their crude exports, and that will take some time to do. It's not something you can just turn on a dime and, you know, take an oil tanker that was destined for the Gulf Coast of the United States to you know, some other international location. So, and in the U.S., you know, for refiners here in the U.S. is, is going to be the main impact uh, because, you know, Venezuela is the second largest uh, in exporter of heavy crude oil uh, to the United States. Canada is the biggest, and, and our refineries along the Gulf Coast are largely set up to refine that heavy crude oil. So um, that's going to create some feedstock shortages for some of the refineries, and, and that... Uh, is most likely, I think, the impact that people in the United States will feel is is some higher, you know, not a lot higher, but a few cents higher uh, gasoline costs at the pump because um, these refineries are going to be uh, having to to pay additional dollars to to get uh, feedstock from other countries. 
Well, you know, everybody has seen what's happened in Venezuela. People are, are starving, eating out of trash cans, um, just things that, that you would not think in the United States, uh, of course, would ever happen here. But then, of course, we have a, a government out there that um, is really uh, problematic, and, and hopefully some of these things going into place will, will remedy some of this for the poor people of Venezuela. Yeah. You know, interest, I saw an interesting factoid on, on people literally starving in Venezuela. The average Venezuelan over the last 12 months has lost 24 pounds because they don't have food. So, I mean, it's a real dire situation down there, and you can't blame the administration for trying to do something about it. Exactly. And that's, you know, I didn't want this to go, oh, see, there goes Trump again. No, actually, this is trying to rectify a really bad situation for these people, and let's hope it works. Changing gears, ExxonMobil had a big announcement this week announcing plans that they were going to double the size of its Beaumont refinery. Will it allow ExxonMobil to process more of the light, sweet crude coming out of the Eagle Ford and Permian Basin? Because, you know, there's some... What has the Beaumont refinery mostly been processing to this point? Well, yeah, it's one of the refineries that has been mainly set up to process this heavy grade of crude oil, uh, which is, you know, the kind of crude that that, uh, refineries uh, manufacture diesel fuel from mainly. Um, And so this expansion, though, is going to be an additional 250 to 300,000 barrels a day capacity uh, to refine the light sweet crude coming out of places like the Eagle Ford Shale and the Permian Basin. And, and that's, that's a big deal because we, you know, um, most of our refineries along the Gulf Coast, as I mentioned a little bit ago, are mainly set up to refine the heavy grades of crude. And so there's been a, an issue in recent years with all this new light sweet crude coming out of, of all these shale plays of having enough refining capacity. And that, of course, has driven the need to export more crude oil out of the United States because, you know, uh, the the crude has to find a a refining home that just isn't enough capacity in the U.S. So you can't build new refineries in this country because you can't get them permitted under the environmental laws, but you can expand existing refineries. And this is uh, a big expansion. It will make the Beaumont refinery, Exxon's Beaumont refinery, Uh, I think, the largest capacity refinery in the United States. So it's a big deal. Very good. Uh, Last thing, changing gears just a little bit, the Trump administration, they're looking for ways to um, reduce the ability for individual states to block the construction of these interstate pipelines. And, And, you know, what is bringing up this issue, and is it a really good idea in your opinion? We talk a lot about pipelines, so what's your opinion on on this? We do talk a lot about pipelines, and, and there is a, a real need to build new pipelines, particularly in the Northeast, to trans, transport natural gas from the Marcellus Shale up to the New England states, which you know generate most of their electricity using natural gas. And what is bringing this up is that Governor Cuomo up there in New York State, if you look at a map, you can't go from the Marcellus Shale to the New England states without going through New York. And Governor Cuomo has for the last several years uh, mounted a campaign to deny the ability of of companies to construct these pipelines through New York State. So, you know, it's very cold this week uh, in the New England states, and they're short on natural gas. And some of the utility companies are now not even signing up new customers because they don't have the feedstock for their plants necessary to provide power to them. So um, then you have the absurd situation. Uh, where Russian tankers are bringing natural gas, LNG 
uh, compressed natural gas uh, into Boston Harbor uh, to to provide natural gas from Russia. <laughs> you know. For, for power plants that are just 100 miles from the Marcella show. It's absurd, it's ridiculous, and it's all thanks to uh, Governor Cuomo. David, once again, thank you for uh, joining us this week, and I look forward to talking to you next week when we'll bring you back on to talk more about energy and politics. Great, I look forward to it. And with that, we do have to take a quick break, but when we return, we'll be joined by Carr Ingham, who is the petroleum economist for the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Plan your next meeting or event at Victoria College's Emerging Technology Complex, home to the state-of-the-art conference and education center, conveniently located between Houston and Corpus Christi. The center hosts meetings, educational workshops, and banquets for up to 300 people with the latest in technology amenities and ample parking. Let their professional meeting planners make your next event a success. For more information, go to conferenceinvictoria.com. Once again, that's conferenceinvictoria.com. In the Oil Patch Radio Show is proud to bring you this week's Energy Minute, produced by shalemag.com. Here's Texas Railroad Commissioner Ryan Sitton with your current industry update. This is Texas Railroad Commissioner Ryan Sitton with your Energy Minute. Can a presidential election 2,500 miles away affect gasoline prices? It sure can. While the normal benchmark for U.S. crude oil is WTI, the light sweet crude, half of the feed to the Gulf Coast refineries is heavy sour crude, of which Venezuela is a large producer. Last year, a presidential election was held in Venezuela in which the existing president, Maduro, was re-elected under speculation of rampant corruption. In response, the Trump administration applied sanctions on Venezuelan oil. The effect? While WTI has moved up only $1 in price over the past month, heavier crudes with names like Mars and Maya have jumped up by $10 due to the Venezuelan issues. If this holds, we can expect to see prices begin to climb at the pump in the next few weeks. This is Ryan Sitton, and that's your Energy Minute. Listen to In the Oil Patch Radio and keep up with the oil and gas industry online at shalemag.com. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us to get the right part right now. Here's the number, so write it down. Oil Field Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. Agreco has been powering the Permian Basin for over 10 years, supporting Permian producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. Agreco supports power systems as small as a single 200 kilowatt to as large as a 50 megawatt power plant. So when your utility power is delayed, call on Agreco to engineer a diesel, natural gas, or battery solution to fit your needs. We have immediate availability right here in the Permian Basin. Call 1-800-AGRECO or online agreco.com. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellato, and today we have a wonderful guest joining us by phone. It's Carr Ingham, Petroleum Economist for the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. Carr, welcome to the show. Welcome back. Thank you, Kim. It's great to be back. You know, I'm really excited about um, this new partnership that uh, in the Oil Patch Radio Show, 
and the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers are entering into here for 2019, in which we will be joined regularly uh, by John Tentera, who is the president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, to talk about uh, everything oil and gas, and more importantly, to hold a live show for our listeners to be able to call in and get questions or get answers to their questions that they have. So I'm really excited about this new partnership between uh, us and you guys, um, which should start, what, February the 9th? I believe that's exactly right. Yeah, well, we're excited about this as well. I mean, the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers is very much a statewide association of oil and gas producers, what we would call the upstream into the oil and gas industry, which simply means exploration and production. The act of going and finding crude oil and natural gas and bringing it to the surface. So that obviously uh, includes three strong components. Companies that are involved in operating and producing, uh, operating wells and producing crude oil and natural gas in Texas, the service companies that service those wells and the drilling operations and the drilling companies themselves. And then beyond that, of course, we also have uh, industries that are affiliated with that group. They do business with them at some level. So this could be sort of a first tier um, uh, industry like pipe or oil field pumping equipment or something like that, uh, all the way down to uh, to the financial services accountants and bankers and lawyers and uh, people who are otherwise very connected to the oil and gas business and uh, media entities too, of course. And so, um, so this is a great partnership with us. Our core existence uh, sort of uh, comes from our founding days, which came from the merger of two regional associations in Texas up around Abilene and Wichita Falls. And so we've got great core membership there. We're also strong in the Metroplex, uh, the Houston area. Um, gaining a foothold and adding members in the Permian. And uh, we're excited about our partnership with Shale Magazine in particular and in the oil patch uh, for uh, other reasons, but primarily, first and foremost, South Texas, uh, where you've been very active. And so we're just very much looking forward to working with you in terms of expanding our profile there. Well, you know, Carr, um, the Alliance also, when, when we're talking about how you guys were created, what's y'all's core mission, uh, who do y'all service, and of course, it's always about networking, and so it is a great organization if you want to grow in that area uh, to be a member of the Alliance, but you all also are advocates like us, um, advocates in the way of, of really trying to mentor and grab the millennial population, um, the uh, younger folks that are in college coming out with their degrees and trying to um, have them enter into the oil and gas sector. Um, and so you guys are really proactive when we're talking about this younger generation of workforce, um, as well as these advocates um, and turning them into advocates uh, that work kind of closely with us as well. So I think that's another part that's really important that the Alliance has been playing for, for quite some time is trying to uh, bring in these younger folks. Well, there's no doubt about that. Historically, oil and gas associations, trade associations in the oil and gas business and in the uh, upstream end of the business particularly existed virtually entirely for one reason, and that was for advocacy at the legislative level, talking about governmental relations and um, and uh, protecting the um, interests of the industry 
and Austin and in Washington, in uh, Washington, D.C., for that matter. Increasingly, though, that is insufficient. We've got to find ourselves moving beyond that to uh, the um, uh, speaking to all uh, age groups um, and helping to inform the population, because if we're not doing it, somebody on the other side is doing it. And uh, that that story needs to be told. And so increasingly, the advocacy is not entirely about governmental relations, although that remains a very, very strong part of what we do. Uh, we've got to find ourselves moving beyond that into the public education arena as well. And I, I couldn't agree with you more with the fact that there are so many anti-oil and gas groups. And, and um, you know, being a media company, we receive a lot of press releases. And I have to tell you, they come in in the thousands throughout the month. And uh, they're growing in popularity, um, as sad as that sounds. Because in my opinion, when I look out, I'm like, I don't know where we go um, with if we completely keep it in the ground, specifically oil and gas. I'm not really, really against uh, alternative fuels, but I do think that we need to consider that we're nowhere close to getting off of oil and gas. Um, it would truly uh, impact the United States in some of the worst ways, not to mention, I mean, it's just a necessity. I don't even know we could live without actual <laughs> energy in this form. Car, when we return from break, I want to get on uh, the topic of your role specifically with the Alliance and something that you've created, which is called the Texas Petro Index. But we do have to take a quick break. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Join us for NAEP Summit Week from February 11th through the 15th, 2019 at the George R. Brown Convention Center in Houston, Texas. One show, one location. NAEP is the oil and gas industry's marketplace for the buying, selling, and trading of prospects and producing properties. NAEP is unique in that it brings together all industry disciplines. It draws in decision makers. It focuses its participation on prospect generators, and it hosts companies of all sizes, from small independents to majors. If you compete in the upstream oil and gas business, NAEP offers you an unparalleled opportunity to meet decision makers in an environment that is fun, energetic, and most of all, serious about getting business done. Visit NAPEXPO.com. That's N-A-P-E-E-X-P-O.com. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Carr Ingham, who is a petroleum economist with the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. And Carr... Uh, before the break, we talked about our partnership uh, in the Oil Patch Radio Show and the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers and going to a live show, which we're so excited about. Um, but I want to switch gears just a little bit and talk about your specific role as a petroleum economist um, and, and what you're doing with uh, something that you created called the Texas Petro Index. So first of all, explain to me, tell me why you created the, the index and the significance as a petroleum economist. Well, sure. Just to back up a little bit in terms of what my role with the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers is as its petroleum economist, uh, it's very much like a, an economist uh, for any organization out there. So this, uh, there are all manner of organizations. Uh, of course, there are plenty of economists at the government level, at the Federal Reserve and academia, organizational economists who work for associations or nonprofits or corporations or whatever the case may be from small to large. Uh, really uh, exist to serve 
the overarching purpose of that organization. And again, in our case, we're talking about advocacy at the governmental relations level, uh, statewide and nationally, and then the public education uh, function as well. And so I, as petroleum economist, really exist to support those uh, those uh, activities uh, and needs of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. So I will provide support for our governmental relations efforts in terms of putting numbers and statistics and economic impacts and tax information and things of that nature together uh, to and and testifying potentially, which I've done on numerous occasions uh, in Austin, or providing uh, written information to support our federal positions, uh, like tax reform, like tariffs, and these sorts of things. So these are the things that I do as our petroleum economist and most organizational economists would do as well. In the public education arena, um, we need ways to get the information out there about the nature of the oil and gas industry and its economic impact in the state of Texas and regionally around Texas. So about 15 years ago, 16 now, I guess, uh, we constructed, or I did for the Alliance, this thing that you referenced called the Texas Petro Index. And it's just a thing that economists do. They take uh, a, a, a big group of numbers and they kind of condense them down to one number. And if you do it that uh, do it correctly, it shows you quite a lot about what is occurring along the way. So the Texas Petro Index is really just a tracking device for the oil and gas uh, exploration production economy in Texas. Um, and so it has a number of statewide oil and gas indicators like price for crude oil and natural gas paid to producers, statewide rig count, number of drilling permits that are issued, oil and gas well completions as recorded by the Railroad Commission, the estimated volume and value of crude oil and natural gas production in Texas, and then not unimportantly, of course, the number of persons who are at work in that industry. So you sort of shove all that together and do a bunch of statistical stuff with it and spit out a monthly index that's going up when times are good, down when times are bad. And again, it just tells us a lot about the nature of the industry and its health at any given moment in time, whether it's in a cyclical upswing or downturn. Uh, and then beyond that, of course, how the industry is affecting the broader statewide economy and all manner of discussions like that. So uh, that thing dates back to January of 1995. We pulled the data back that far, although, again, we didn't roll it out until about 2003. We've calculated that thing every month since then, and it's now complete through December of 2018. The last time we had a severe oil and gas downturn in Texas was um, previous to what happened in 2015-16, actually started in 2014. But that was a national and global economic recession. We knew the Texas economy uh, was going to decline and contract, and indeed it did. In 2014, 15, and 16, though, the only thing that was wrong with the statewide economy was that its oil and gas industry was suffering and went through a major contraction. And so this was kind of an experiment um, when the national economy is growing, when all other sectors of the state economy are doing fairly well. How is the state uh, oil and gas economy going to affect the Texas economy? Well, we sort of know the answer to that question now. We came very close to entering into a recession in 2015 and 2016 sales tax receipts, which are just broad sales tax receipts. I'm not talking about anything directly oil and gas related. I mean just general spending by households and businesses, particularly when you adjust for inflation, actually went negative for the better part of a Texas fiscal year. Employment didn't quite go negative, but it certainly flattened out in terms of its growth 
uh, statewide. And so, uh, so this is a very instructive exercise. Uh, the oil and gas business remains a significant part of the statewide economy, and its ups and downs have um, have impacts and consequences uh, that matter to all of the state, whether you think you're involved in the oil and gas business or not. Exactly. And so, Carr, when we come back from break, I want to get into a little bit of those details, and then I want to get into the actual Petro Index, the TPI that you've created. But we do have to take a quick break. You're listening to an Old Patch Radio show, and we'll be right back. The Texas Energy Advocates Coalition is teaming up with the future of the region South Texas to bring you Capital Day. Meet us in Austin, Texas on February 11th, 2019 in front of the Texas Capitol building at 12 p.m. noon. We will have a chartered bus for advocates to ride for free from Corpus through San Antonio up to Austin with two pickup points along the way. Visit txenergyadvocates.com slash capital or futureregionstx.org slash capital for more information. You're listening to and the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bilotto, and today we're being joined by Carr Ingham, who is the, a petroleum economist for the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. And Carr, you've created an actual report. Uh, it's called the Texas Petro Index. And we were talking about, uh, before the break, how this report could really help our legislators understand um, a little bit more about the insight of how well oil and gas is doing by putting this all this great data together for them and a very simple report to read. What happens, or let's go back to 2015, how how bad was our economy? And, and do you think, what were the lessons that were learned pertaining to if oil is doing well in Texas, uh, we're doing well. And if it's not, uh, we have a problem. Well, uh, in terms of the details of the oil and gas business and what the petrol index, the Texas petrol index was indicating, Leading up to 2014, uh, we had a really extraordinary period of oil and gas industry and economic expansion. In about a five-year period from 2010 to 2014, inclusive. So we were coming out of the recession of 2008-2009. That recession cratered both crude oil and natural gas prices. Crude oil prices began to come back fairly quickly, and then that's what sent us off on this spectacular growth period, over which, by the way, we virtually quadrupled Texas crude oil production and well more than doubled national crude oil production. So I think we're all generally familiar with what happened over that period of time. And what happened, and as a matter of fact, was we began to produce so much crude oil in Texas and in the United States, adding to global supply that global production more or less overwhelmed global demand and sent prices cratering. So beginning in the second half of 2014 until the early part of 2016, crude oil prices uh, literally collapsed. I mean, fell by about 80%. As a result of that, over all that period of time, the statewide rig count fell by about 75%. The number of drilling permits issued by the state went down by about 70%. And brutally, we lost about 115 to 120,000, 115 to 120,000 direct oil and gas jobs in Texas, which was more than a third of what we had uh, at the peak in 2014. The petrol index itself, uh, uh, in response to this price decline, finally peaked in November of 2014 and then declined by well over 50% 
before the ship began to right and things began to go north again. But uh, as I said, over that period of time, we had lost 115 to 120,000 jobs. Um, and we began to see these impacts on the state economy in terms of flattening levels of economic activity. And again, if, if, if you ask me as an economist, I mean, we have statewide measures of economic growth called, you know, uh, sort of a state level gross domestic product, just the value of goods and services being produced in the statewide economy. But we don't ever know that number until well after the fact. What we do know on an ongoing basis are other things like spending as indicated by tax receipts and employment. And if you've got spending and tax if you've got spending and employment moving in the same direction at the same time, it's more or less what your economy is doing. And so what happened to our economy, the statewide Texas economy in 2015 and 2016 is that spending went from growing pretty strongly to actually declining. Um and again, that was the case for the better part of a year. Uh, in 2015 and 2016, and certainly the fiscal year that began in October 2015 and lasted through the end of September 2016, that was a fiscal year of state spending decline and employment growth that went from somewhere in the 3% plus range down to a percent or, or less. And so the effects of what was happening were in oil and gas were absolutely evident and certainly are now. Uh, after the fact, looking back on this. And so it's important for the state of Texas and people at the governmental level to understand where we're headed uh, in terms of crude oil and natural gas in the oil and gas industry in Texas, because this is going to have an awful lot to do with how the statewide economy performs. Exactly. Let's get into your uh, the Texas Petro Index that you created. It, it had been declining in November and December 2018. That was back on the heels of 23 straight months of growth. Now, that being said, in response to the dramatic declines in oil the crude oil prices for the last two months. What does that specifically mean in in the way of how do we interpret where we passed uh, in November, December? Uh, were we coming out of it, or how do how do we interpret what you saw happening in November and December two thousand and eighteen? Oh well, sure. You just asked the question of the day, uh, dating back to two thousand sixteen, when the petrol index finally bottomed out and began to grow again, as you indicated. Coming out of that nasty downturn, we had 23 straight months of increase in the Texas Petro Index. And then a little bit surprisingly, actually, the Petro Index declined after peaking in October 2018 for two straight months, November and December. And we'll see what happens in January. I haven't, we'll calculate that one sometime a bit later in February. Well, what happened in, in November and December was the crude oil prices, which had been up in the $70 range um, in October, uh, declined down uh, pretty sharply in November, and then again in December, uh, losing you know, 20, 25 bucks a barrel. Uh, well, this was a little bit unexpected, this crude oil price decline, and it kind of rattled the, uh, the marketplace there. It spooked producers, I think. Uh, the rig count certainly flattened out. It's actually declined a little bit now in response uh, to those declining prices. Uh, the number of uh, uh, drilling permits uh, taken out in November and December was lower than it was in November and December of the previous year. So there was a noticeable response to these crude oil price declines, and again, it took the index down for two months. Well, this is an unusual occurrence, or I think we may be getting to witness 
getting ready to witness an unusual occurrence. Historically, over all of the history of the Texas Petro Index, which again dates back to 1995, every time the index has peaked and then gone south, even for one month, that has always meant a sustained contraction of some degree, some length, and some magnitude in the Texas oil and gas um, uh, economy. I think we may be getting ready to see for the first time um, a situation in the petrol index where that's not really the case. Crude oil prices have already recovered a fair amount of what they lost at year-end 2018. And I think we may actually see maybe two, three months of decline, and then that thing uh, stabilize and start to go north again. I certainly hope that's the case. And if it is, again, this would be a first in the petrol index. I certainly hope so, too. Carr, we're going to have to take another quick break, but when we return, I want to get back into some more of the data that came out of your uh, Texas Petroleum Index. But we do have to take a quick break. You're listening to End the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Do you have burning questions about the oil and gas industry? In the Oil Patch host, Kim Bellotto will be hosting a live show with John Tintera, President and Chief of Staff of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. Send your questions to radio at shalemag.com. That's radio at S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. We'll have a live telephone line on the air, so be sure to send an email to radio at shalemag.com and we'll send you the call-in number. Oilfield experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. We're back. You're listening to and the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Carr Ingham, who is a petroleum economist for the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. Carr, you've created a very insightful uh, report, uh, the Texas Petroleum Index. And uh, in in it, um, and after the show, I'm going to uh, tell our listeners where they can go to, to get the full in-depth uh, report. But uh, I want to talk about some uh, new records that were established for Texas and, and the U.S. crude oil production in 2018. Now, this data was collected from several different sources, including the Texas Railroad Commission, the U.S. EIA, and of course, the Texas Alliance itself. And you guys did some, uh, all these n- numbers came together and there was some estimations uh, or estimate numbers showing Texas crude oil production surpassed 1.6 billion barrels uh, for the year. And that actually um, kind of really uh, blew the lid off of numbers that had been uh previously to the number of 1.26 billion barrels in 1972. Put that into context for me. Help, help me to understand what that those numbers really mean to us. Well, first of all, you sort of hit on an interesting little dynamic there. The Railroad Commission publishes their data, but their recently published data is never anywhere close to correct. And so uh, the EIA has data published that is – uh, a much better estimate of what current or at least very recent crude oil production is. So we and me as the petroleum economist for the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers kind of take both of those sets of numbers and trends and then come up with our estimates of what crude oil production in Texas actually is on an ongoing basis. And this, these numbers will be pretty close to right when all is said and done. But 
the essence of that story is, and it's a it's a transformational story, is that in 2018, and actually fairly early in the year, we actually shattered every previous crude oil production record for the state of Texas. We did this at national level too, by the way. Uh, but in terms of daily crude oil production, uh, we actually surpassed that uh, previous record early on in the year, probably February or March. As we sit here at year-end 2018, we are on the cusp of producing about 5 million barrels a day and counting. It's right at 4.9 and climbing for the month of December. And as you indicated, we actually produced uh, something in the neighborhood of 1.6 million, 1.6 billion with a B, uh, plus barrels of crude oil uh, in Texas, uh, again, just just shattering the 1972 record, which was about 1.2, 1.3 billion barrels. Looks like in December, we surpassed 150 million barrels in one month for the first time ever. Uh, so it's hard to put all this into context because you kind of have to get your arms around all of this. But I'll put it this way. Uh, 15 or 20 years ago, uh, not even that long, actually, but 10 to 15 years ago, Texas was producing about 20% of all the crude oil produced in the United States. In 2018, that number is going to be about 40%. By the end of 2019, on a daily basis, we'll probably be producing 45% of all crude oil that's produced uh, in the United States. And again, the national numbers are growing uh, pretty phenomenally as well. And so we have just uh, uh, done extraordinary things. I say me, I've never produced a we, I've never produced a barrel or an MCF of anything. These are our producers. These are people who are out there in the field figuring out ways to bring more crude oil and natural gas to the surface to the benefit, not just of our statewide economy, but of every energy consumer in the country. And again, that is every person and every household and every business, whether they know it or not, whether they want to admit it or not, this is to the great benefit of them. And I just want to make sure that everybody understands that what we've done, what our industry has done, is literally set up for the American household and business consumer a long-term, abundant, affordable supply of energy for literally decades to come. That's what's been accomplished, and it's really driven home by these record production numbers of all sorts in 2018. Crude oil production in Texas and nationally was uh, just in a state of chronic long-term decline. In other words, since the early 1970s, crude oil production had done nothing but go down uh, virtually year in, year out, decade in, and decade out. And most people thought that was just going to be the case from now till kingdom come. Well, uh, we turned that scenario around starting in 2008, 2009, and it's only been since then that we have just exploded domestic energy production. And the things that have occurred are the things that leading up to that are what we always profess to want, right? A greater level of national energy dependence, less, reliable, uh, less reliance on uh, energy and crude oil in particular that is coming into the country from other national sources and particularly the more troublesome sources uh, in the Middle East and out of the OPEC cartel, uh, this group of producing countries that historically has tended to kind of like to yank us around a little bit. Uh, well, the shoe's on the other foot now, as they say. 
and they're having a difficult time kind of responding to what we're doing in the sheer levels of production in the in the United States. But again, uh, what we are now accomplishing are these things that we always profess to want to accomplish. And I just want to make sure that we all understand that this is exactly what we've done. The things we said we always wanted, these are the things that we now have. I couldn't agree with you more. And with that, Carr, we are, that is the end of the show for today. But thank you for coming in and explaining uh, your uh, Texas Petroleum Index. For anyone who wants to look at the entire uh, report and go through it, where can they go to find your report? Well, they can simply go to our website, which is uh, texasalliance.org. So this is the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers website, texasalliance, all one word, dot O-R-G. And uh, this information is there, and then uh, we're also distributing it, uh, and it's uh, new information on a monthly basis as we go along. Excellent. Carr, thank you so much for being a guest on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks again, Carr, for being my guest today, and congratulations because you are the topic of today's trivia question. Hey, be the first person to email the correct answer to this trivia question to radio at shalemag.com. Again, that's radio at S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com, and you will have a chance to win a $75 gift certificate to Fogo de Chao, the amazing Brazilian steakhouse. Today's trivia question is, what is the name of the report that Carr Ingham created for the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers? Well, that's all the time that we have for this show, but please be sure to like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash in the oil patch. Or follow us on Twitter at ShellMag. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G. And if you have any questions for me, or if you have questions on oil and gas, I encourage you to email me at radio at shellmag.com. That's going to wrap up another great show. See you next week with more exciting news and insightful interviews. Until then, adios. In the Oil Patch is where together we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.